0: You're listening to WALT.
1: Homegrown.
0: Homemade radio. Hello, ghost family. Welcome to Family Ghosts. For the last two episodes, you've been hearing the story of my friend Jessie and her attempt to learn more about her aunt Jessie, who she's named after. Aunt Jessie was killed in a car accident in 1985, before Jessie was born. And while Jessie's always had an amorphous sense of the significance of her aunt's death, her family never talked much about who Aunt Jessie was as a person, at least until the second episode of this series, when they opened up to Jessie about her Aunt Jessie's sense of humor, her rough and tumble teenage years, and their hopes and dreams for the life she might have had. But there was someone else that Jesse wanted to talk to. Someone she hoped might know more about Aunt Jessie's accident than anyone else, because he was in the car with her when it happened.
2: Dan, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, No It's funny, too. uh, My entire life, you've been Danny. So it's funny when you emailed and said, Hi, this is Dan. And I was like, who's Dan? Oh, right.
1: You should call me Danny. I, okay. In my, in my email world, I just, nobody wants to talk to a 60-year-old plumber named Danny, you know, so.
0: <laughs> Danny was Aunt Jesse's boyfriend on and off. But he was also much more than that. As you're about to hear... Danny wasn't actually able to add all that much information about Aunt Jessie's death. But when it comes to her life and why it mattered, he had a lot to say.
1: It makes me want to be a good person. I'm just going to let you go with it. I'll answer whatever questions you want. I have. I think it'll be great. This is like a little vacation for me. If you guys want to talk about Jessica for another three or four hours, I can explain. <laughs>
0: From WALTFM and PRX, you're listening to Family Ghosts. I'm Sam Dingman, and this is the finale of our mini series, The Namesake. Our story continues right after the break. Welcome back to Family Ghosts. Now, before I play you Jesse's conversation with Danny, I have to tell you something, which is that the audio on Danny's phone line is a little crunchy. I cleaned it up as much as I could, but there are going to be some spots where it's kind of tough to make out what he's saying. I'm sorry about that. But I also want to ask you to do your best to hang with it. Because even when you can't quite make out the specifics of what Danny's saying, I think his feelings about Aunt Jesse come through loud and clear.
2: How did you and Jesse meet?
1: We met in kindergarten, five years old. I'm an old soul. I have a vivid memory of kindergarten. The instructor said, on Valentine's Day, why don't we bring in Valentine's cards for the students? So I interpreted that as, why don't you bring a Valentine card in to who you want to be your Valentine?" (laughs) So every kid came to school on the 14th with a bag full of Valentine's for every student. I brought in one, Jesse. And I was embarrassed, and the whole class was making fun of me, calling me, you know, you're not supposed to give it to one person. It's supposed to be for everybody, you know. But So I learned a little little lesson there, but that's a true story.
0: From the moment they were five years old, Danny felt like there was something special about Aunt Jessie. And as they got older, those feelings only got stronger.
2: So what drew you to Jessie, both either in kindergarten or in high school when you guys kind of reconnected?
1: Super outgoing, loud, like she could drive a tractor. No girls were driving standard transmission cars. She knew how to drive it right away. Making smoking a cigarette look really cool because (laughs) She enjoyed that cigarette like it was a trip to the Bahamas. Like, why wouldn't you want to have a cigarette? Her presence was very, very loud. She went to the junior prom with a friend of mine. I made him take her. He wanted to take her, but I just wanted to go on a double date to the prom because I had a girlfriend. So I already was hanging out with Jesse, so it was complicated.
0: Now, just in case you couldn't hear that last bit, Danny said that he and Jesse were, quote, already hanging out around the time of that junior prom, even though he was technically seeing someone else. So it was, as he said, complicated. But Danny had been in love with Aunt Jessie since they were five years old. As he put it,
1: That ball was already in the works.
0: That ball was already in the works.
1: I had a wonderful girlfriend in high school before Jessie, but it wasn't wasn't where I was headed. Once I got my driver's license, and then I would come by in the morning in my car and pick her up at the bus stop. So we are in school, and then I'm sitting in the cafeteria with all my friends, and Jesse drives by in my nice car, which I don't let anybody drive. And so one of my buddies says, looks like times are changing." and I go, oh yeah, well, what are you going to do?
0: So when the junior prom rolled around, Danny orchestrated this double date with him, his girlfriend, his buddy, and the girl he wished was his girlfriend, Aunt Jesse. He sent a picture of them from the dance. He says it was a memorable night, partly because he and Aunt Jesse ended up in jail.
1: So four hours after that picture, we were in the can. It was like a fight or something that took place that I really didn't have anything to do with, but the shouting and all the shouting and everything was going on, and I was in the middle of it and pushing and shoving with a bunch of people, and she was trying to protect me and yelling at whoever was yelling at me. And then I was yelling louder and she was yelling louder. And then the next thing you know, the police was there. And I think it was only me and her that got locked up. My father picked me up midnight. So I went home. My mother goes, well, you blew this night. And I said, yeah, I guess. Like you did it this time. Now you ruined your night. You ruined her night. I go, but I can still salvage it. And I said, all right, well, I'm going to fix it. So I went and fixed it. I went to your grandmother's house, and I i think your grandmother may have just been going to bed, but she said, go ahead up and see her. And we went up, and when we got in the car, and we went to a party. <laughs> and shortly after that, we started going out. She was a spirit, you know? And she got into trouble, and. We all got into trouble. And in the grand scheme of things, it was harmless.
0: As the years passed, Danny and Aunt Jessie got in and out of trouble and in and out of a romantic partnership. But they never stopped hanging out. They smoked more cigarettes and rode around on tractors. And most of all, they just talked for hours at a time. Danny told us about this one time when Aunt Jessie got the flu and he went over to her house every night for a week just to hang out
1: it's like four hours a night for the week that she was sick every night
0: after high school, Jesse moved away, and Danny stayed in Carlisle, Massachusetts. But their conversations didn't stop. they just evolved.
1: you know, as an adult when we, we got older and we had conversations about real things, I and mean, that's a whole nother, that's a whole other avenue what are,
2: What do you mean conversations about real things?
1: eliminating negatives in life and creating positives. And, you know, when you're no longer 21, 22, you know, you start to think about other options. And she had a lot of options. She, she was engaged to somebody for a period of time. And that engagement was called off. And I don't really... I, I, I kind of know why, but I, I don't know enough about the situation to even comment on it, you know? She used to say when she called, she would say, my father said I should be calling you today. So we'd get a conversation going and go out.
0: When they couldn't talk in person or on the phone, they wrote letters to each other. Lots of them.
1: I think there's almost 70, and I don't even know how I have them. But, but I read them all. I read one letter, and it said, you know, July 6th of 1984. So this is, you know, less than a year before she passed away. Dear Danny, how are you? Question mark. I'm fine. I miss you, though. I'm working as a nurse's aide in a nursing home. There is no air conditioning, and it gets hot as hell up here. It's not bad for the patients because they just sit around all day. (laughs) But when we're working, we sweat our asses off. So how's life? Anything interesting happening? Any good parties? Anything interesting? I'd like to come down for a couple of days. Sometime. Well, anyways, I don't have a whole lot to say because I haven't been doing a whole lot. It's been pretty quiet up here. Uh, This is a stupid, boring letter. I just realized. But what the fuck? I want to know how you are. Do me a favor, be nice, and write me back or call. I miss your dumb face. Okay. I, I miss your dumb pro- face. <laughs> <Like that. laughs> I probably called her like 15 minutes after I read the letter. So. <laughs> and that's probably during that engagement period. So I'm not really, how will that all worked out? Don't know none of my business. She was a special person. It was, you know, it's a crazy thing. Her motto was, it's ridiculous, but it fast, die young. And that's a joke. That was a joke. Mm -hmm. That was a joke. And that's where we ended up.
2: Well, I wanted to ask you about the accident. And I know that from what my mom's told me, she... That you might not remember much about the actual accident, but can you tell me anything you do remember about the experience of afterwards?
1: I I remember the the beginning of the evening, and we were celebrating my I just graduated from a a, a four year plumbing apprenticeship. So we were at like a banquet. We didn't stay that late, ten thirty or something, and um. I remember getting in the car, and, and then I really don't remember anything after that. I woke up in the hospital a week later, you know, that your grandmother, and it was very supportive, and uh, my family was supportive. And um, it was about, you know, somebody survived and somebody didn't. And I remember waking up and being extremely sad you know
2: yeah does anything about the accident or about Jesse like do, what, how does it show up in your life? Is it something you think about often or is it
1: think about it once a day?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. once a day pretty much. you know it doesn't uh, rule my life, but it's um, it's a, something I I enjoy to think about once a day. It's not necessarily the accident, it's about being 17 and hanging out with her, that was the greatest thing. I think when you have a tragedy when when you're young like that probably made me a better person because I, I had something to dwell on that uh, the need for immediate, gratification results because I had lust, right? So you learn how to take each day as it comes, maybe earlier than you would.
2: Can you say more about like not needing immediate gratification for things?
1: You know, when you're when you're 23 years old, going to be 24, and you start making money, you want to do this, you want to buy that, you want to um, go here, do this, do that. And then all of a sudden, you realize, well, maybe that's not that important because, you know, there's stuff happening here that you should be enjoying that are so simple, you know? And I think that's like probably the biggest takeaway I can tell you. <clears throat> but uh, my only question for you is like, this is, we're using the word ghost. So what is, Do you, do you dwell on this? Do you have a ghost with this?
2: Well, I think Sam and I have talked about this a little. And so it's been on my mind a lot recently. Um, I think I've always been a very uh, sensitive person and you know, it just like my mom would get so sad. Sorry. She would just talk about Jesse and she obviously loved her so much. And that she missed her so much. And there's something about it that that made me never want to make my mom sad like that. So I think there are certain things that I know about Jesse that I've always kind of pushed away from, because from the stories my mom told me, it was very clear that Jesse was not afraid of breaking rules. And I think there was, I think from a very young age, there's been this connection in my brain. That if you act like Jessie, you might end up like Jessie. If I'm too much like her, will I also die in a tragic car accident? But I also I I also am like really proud to be named after her. Jessie seems like a character. Like she was she was larger than life. She had like you said, like people were just drawn to her.
1: And that's, that's
2: a fact. So, I think it makes me proud to be named after somebody who lived a big life, even though it was a short life.
1: Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much. This
1: has been my pleasure, and I hope, I hope it gave you some light to, the, to this
0: mystery. As we were getting off the line with Danny, he told Jesse he wanted to stay in touch
1: what I will do, Jesse, if try with you, is that from time to time I'll shoot you a text, you know, if I find something that I want to share, you know?
2: Yeah, I would love that. Thank you.
1: And that way you can have a little of a ghost.
0: But he did more than just text.
2: So Danny emailed me after our interview and asked me if I wanted something that he had of hers. And I said, yes, of course. And so he sent it to me
0: Family Ghosts will continue in a moment. In both of the previous episodes of this series, after we had big, emotional conversations, Jessie would go for hikes and record her thoughts. And as you've been hearing, Jessie's reflections on her aunt's story are very insightful and eloquent. So after our conversation with Danny, I was hoping that she would send me another one. But instead, she texted me a picture. Okay, so we were talking just a second ago, and you texted me a picture, and I wasn't recording, so I asked if (laughs) we could hang up and have you call me back uh, when I was recording. So tell me what this picture is that you have sent me.
2: So it's a little boat fits in the palm of my hand very light wooden blue boat with a yellow interior so Danny emailed me after our interview and asked me if I wanted something that he had of hers and I said yes of course and so he sent it to me it, it had a letter with it Jesse this is such a small item but I saved this all these years we used to make little boats and have races in a little stream behind your grandfather's barn. We would run along the stream and direct the boats with sticks. Jessie would always win. She made the best boats. We were still doing it in her 20s. She wanted me to win once, so she made my boat, and this is it. Happy <sighs> to share it with you. With a smiley face, Danny.
0: So what did you... Feel. I mean, what, what feelings came up for you when you got this in the mail and opened it up and, and touched it and then read the letter?
2: Oh, it made me so emotional. I, I find it so sweet to think of. I also love that she's like, well, I'm better at making boats than you. <laughs> so if you want to win, I should probably make your boat.
0: What do you think she did that made this boat better? Like, what could have been different about this boat than the other boats? Like,
2: You know, I've seen the word rough hewn in literature a million times, but I don't think I've ever, like, owned anything or held anything in my hand, I would call rough hewn. And this feels like that. Like, it's smooth on the outside, but it also feels like whittled. It doesn't feel like it's not smooth all the way around.
0: Yeah, yeah. I am now going to say the most Sam thing of all time, so please feel free to tell me to (laughs) cool it. But um, it also strikes me the way that you characterized this little boat is almost exactly the way people characterized Jesse. Rough hewn, not the smoothest, but somehow able to move forward in spite of people's expectations of it. And, um, I mean, that just tracks to me so closely with the way that others in your family talked about her. And it also lines up so beautifully, I think with the conversation we had with Danny, where he didn't see her that way. He saw her as the best.
2: Yeah. It does feel like metaphorically resonant with what I know about her. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel really lucky that Danny is Danny. Which, yeah. it's interesting to me, like, knowing how the rest of my mom's family is, that Jesse was drawn to Danny, who is clearly, like, very in touch with his emotions and mm-hmm. sentimental and nostalgic. I just, I'm really grateful that he exists because it feels like the, the kind of thing that I wanted to hear about her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I heard the most from him. I am risk-averse. Without prodding, I'm not gonna make risky decisions. Mm -hmm. Like, we had the, we talked about the bus, and that was something that, without my ex Teddy's, like, follow through, I probably never would have done anything about it. Uh, I might have daydreamed about it, but then it took somebody else with, like, the will to actually make something happen Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for me to do it. Yeah. I think I just get nervous or I get scared, and, I just can't I like I don't get that impression from the stories we've heard about Jessie. I don't get yeah. the impression that she had that that approach to life. And that's something I would that inspires me that I would like to be more a part of my life. That kind of well, it may not work, but I'll give it a try. It also like the idea of a cheerful little boat mm-hmm. <laughs> going down a stream is it's a nice image to have in my aunt.
0: Ghosts is hosted, produced, written, edited, and mixed by me, Sam Dingman. My deepest gratitude to my friend, Jesse Pasquarelli, for sharing this story with us. Now, this was a pretty serious story, but as I alluded to in the first episode, Jesse is also one of the funniest people I know. And if you ever find yourself in Austin, Texas, you should look up one of her improv comedy shows. She also teaches improv comedy there at a wonderful theater and school called The Hideout. Just in case you're in the area and in the market, I'll post a link in the show notes. I'll also post a picture of Aunt Jessie's boat on our Instagram, which you can find at famgoshow. That's F-A-M-G-H-O, show. Our show art is by Teddy Blanks, and our theme song is by Louis Scarra. We use incidental music from Blue Dot Sessions and Epidemic Sound. This episode was made possible in part by the Kindred Spirits, our community of supporters on Patreon. For just $5 a month, Kindred Spirits hear all of our episodes ad-free and get exclusive bonus content you won't hear anywhere else. This week, Kindred Spirits are discovering the secret lives of authors like Herman Melville and James Joyce. Are you intrigued? If so, learn more at patreon.com slash familyghosts. And if you don't have the means to join the Kindred Spirits, no worries. Please consider supporting the show for free by leaving us a review in Apple Podcasts. It will take 30 seconds of your life and make a big difference in the life of our show. We'll be back with a brand new episode in two weeks. Thank you for listening to Family Ghosts, where every house is haunted.